Okay, I'm going to take a few minutes and, 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 and kind of clarify again. I feel like I have to do this every few months. I have to go on in some format in one of my account locations somewhere, be it Instagram, it used to be YouTube, now it's Rumble, and uh, or it's on this podcast. I have to do some clarifications of where I stand and why I've said what I say in regards to my stance because I keep offending people, apparently, who don't like what I say about where I stand. If that's as muddy as I can make it. So I'm going to spend a few minutes kind of clarifying a few things and, and get it out there, uh, you know, empty this closet out and expose everything that's going on here as far as the way that I see the world at this point. And so here I am. Right off the top, I want to explain that the one of the reasons why you do not you do not get a regular every few days once a week you know it, it sometimes even once a month kind of things why you don't get regular episodes from me on content as i used to do for those of you that have been around since the old mental brick radio days or uh, even just the patriots fight days i was far more regular then in the content that I would produce. And part of that was because I, I know in the old Middle Brick and, and even in the Patriot Fights uh, earlier stages, the regularity of the content had a lot to do with the fact that I was promoting so much in a particular direction of things that were changing on a daily basis, thanks to items such as like the Q drops and things of that nature. And, and I, I've spent time before explaining why. I left the Q movement, and uh, and I've had to clarify that. So I guess I'll get I'll hit that really off the top for those of you that have not been with me in the past and have not heard my explanations for that. Um, I I was with I was following the Q drops from the get go from from the very beginning of all of that. And I mean the beginning, I mean we're talking about by November first of seventeen. And the first drops happened about a week before that, in October, late October of 17. But I've been talking about uh, conspiracy items, theories of different things. I've been going down the rabbit hole, things of that nature, since before that. And I started actually broadcasting about them around the time of the Las Vegas shooting, which took place, what was it, the 1st or 2nd of October of 17. So it was before the first Q drops happened. I started posting on theories and issues and the the hiding of information and things of that nature at the beginning of October. And at the end of October, Q drops began to show up. That was back when it was the Q clearance uh, account. I mean, it wasn't called QAnon. It was Q clearance. And, and, and I was there with all of that. And I digested it. I was with a, a whole body of people that I still would want to have a high level of trust with when it comes to them being able to research. And we researched and we went down all the holes that we could get a hold of. We uh, we got involved with quite heavily in some topics that, quite honestly, were dangerous for us to go down and trace uh, into the, the murk over. But we did it. And, uh, and, and some of my colleagues 
would go on, uh, they would go live with me on the old Mental Brick Radio program, and we would discuss this thing, and then I would end up getting a report from them, you know, a few hours later, hey, by the way, on my way home, I was followed by a couple of police officers or a couple of service agents or, you know, whatever, and, and told to cease and desist, basically, in the direction that we were going. And so there were those types of things that took place and those type of conversations. Uh, I go so far back into the Q uh, movement that, uh, for those of you that remember the... Uh, what has become known as the Q map, and it wasn't the Q map. It's not the map that that the QAnon account was referring to as the map. But people began to associate this grid of multiple connections between all of these hundreds and thousands of different things, and they associated that as the Q map. Well, it turns out that was just an individual who did an art project, and he was connecting all these dots on different things. He wasn't directly with Q. It wasn't the map that Q was referring to. And uh, and all that kind of stuff. I was actually the first guy that interviewed him. <laughs> His first interview was on Mental Brick Radio. And at the time, I thought that was cool. Now I look back on it and I'm going, oh, great. So I helped introduce this guy out there to the world. But so I say all of that to say I, I was involved in all of that at the very, very beginning of the stages of things. I was there when we were unraveling all the stuff, when we were figuring out who Q plus was and what the single, double, and triple pluses meant and all of these different things. And I, w- I, was, in, I was in all of that. And I went down those deep holes and we, we, uh, we took the codes and we found the, the Bitcoin uh, accounts associated with them. And at one point I was live into different people's Bitcoin accounts and looking at the file transactions and, and things of that nature. I mean, it was it was dangerous, it was scary, uh, and in some regards, it was exciting and exhilarating as well. But that's that was all stuff brought on on the side of the Q-drops. It was the atmosphere that began to take hold around the Q-drops. And early last year, early in 2020, I began to, uh, to realize that I was very seriously involved in something that had migrated from just studying the Q-drops, and it had become something that that you could rival with a cult. Now, it's not the Q-drops themselves that were doing most of this. It was the community of people looking at the Q-drops and wanting to insert other theories and other concepts and other things into that world. The Q-drops do not directly reference many of the things that people accredit to the Q-drops. It just didn't happen, okay? And so I went down that, and uh, and I I began to, to shift away from it and realize that what it had become was something that people were doing as a religious movement. And they took the sporadic moments here or there that Q-drops would indicate as as indications that Q was a spiritual movement, that it was a spiritual battle, and that Q was, you know, was it was a godly pursuit and things of that nature. And the problem is, is it became a cult for the people involved in all the stuff that, that wasn't directly mentioned in Q, but they associated it with it. And then it started including the Q drops themselves. You start seeing things in the Q drops. And I went back in, I began to research, and I found some of the Q drops back in the early hundreds that were making references to things like, you know, that uh, that Trump is the savior, that our U.S. military is the savior, 
and that uh, it's going to save us all and all those things. And I've made those reference points before, and I'm not trying to rehash that now. But that was one of the stages that I was in. And if, if you weren't with me at that day and time, I'm just letting you know this is where I was. The person that you listen to today on his rare times that he's out there doing podcasts, this was the guy that I was at the time. Now, to let you know on a more serious nature as far as my background is concerned, my background, though, is in theology. I have both a bachelor's and master's in theological studies. I have about six years in ancient Greek, uh, two years in ancient Hebrew, and then I've since then I've had since that time I've had about twenty five to thirty years of additional studies and uh, ministry events and things of that nature over my time. So I've spent most of my life actually in theological studies, and then I started pursuing all this. And I did it religiously. And I didn't do it with the intention of it becoming something that would replace Christianity. But I did find that at one point, it was in its way doing that. It was what consumed me day and night. And I knew and could quote and uh, could decipher cue drops quickly and earnestly and passionately but I, I wasn't in God's Word. And yet I thought I was doing something spiritual. I thought I was fighting the good fight. It was it was light against dark and it was, you know, it was all this kind of stuff. And and it wasn't. It was it was a delusion. It was a uh, misguidance. And Q allowed that to occur in people through some of the things that were posted by the Q drops. And it helped promote this idea. And they threw just enough scripture in there at just the right moments. And then they would send up an American flag image or something of that nature. And you would believe that the patriotism that you had was coupled somehow with your Christian belief or your religious belief in general. And Q was helping you get there and that together we were going to vanquish the foe um, and that we had God on our side. And instead of Q demoting that and saying, no, 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 hold on now, remember, you can stay political, stay constitutional, stay patriotic, do all those kind of things, but this is not a religious movement. Instead of Q saying that, Q allowed that to grow, and uh, and Trump allowed it to grow as well, and didn't really separate himself from any of that, and could have made those changes, but didn't. And I, I realized kind of one of those things where I really was part of it was my own realization. Some of it was other people that were also a part of the Q movement that were going, hold on a second, this isn't scriptural. This isn't biblical. And despite hearing, you know, it's going to be biblical. No, no, no. Just saying something is going to be biblical isn't appropriate and certainly not using it. <laughs> I mean, think about it. And at the time, I even I even edited the video to, to remove some of the language. But when I mean, you're quoting... A line from a movie where it says it's going to be biblical that has F-bombs in it. And people were thinking, yeah, and they're getting goosebumps and they're thinking, yeah, the Lord is not going <laughs> to, the Lord is not going to use profanity as a connecting point talking about something being biblical. That, that it, it's, it's, it's heretical to even think that way. And yet we were there doing it. And those type of things helped lead me away from all of this and go, I can't be a part of this. Now, granted, all the Q drops stopped back in December of last year, December of 2020. 
they, they ironically stopped uh, around the same time period that people began to realize, hmm, you know what? I think Joe Biden is now the new president and that Trump is not going to save the day. And the Q drop stopped. And I think there is a direct connection with all of that. But people are still following Q. People are still going back and looking at these drops that go back to October of 17 through December of 22, of 20. And they're looking at this, you know, two and a half years or so of, of post, and they're still claiming that there's validity to them, that they, that they're real. They're still looking at these dates and things. And I, I still have fresh people that come up to me or to other people that have been in the, you know, involved in this over the years and uh, and they're they're presenting these these theories now that I'm like I heard that theory two and a half years ago or I helped be a part of that theory two years ago or whatever and <laughs> it's not going to happen it, it's 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 not now again I don't question that the documents that were linked in Q drops or the searches that were suggested by the Q drops were invalid. I'm not saying that. I never have said that, and I don't think that I ever will say that. The documents are real. I've read many of them. I collected, you know, a terabyte or more of those documents on my own, you know, over the two years or so that I was committed to that. I know the documents are real. I know that if you chase down these certain topics, you will find information that is valid. I get all of that. I'm not discrediting the information in the drops. What I discredited was the method in which people chose to worship at the altar of this information as if it was going to somehow reverse the biblical future, the eschatological future of humanity. It never was going to do that, and it never will do that, and no movement will do that. And so, yes, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit to be told, hey, you're following this, or you're helping promote this in other people to such a level that they're taking it as a religious movement, and it's not. Well, it is religious in the sense of many things are religious and spiritual, and all those catchphrasey kinds of things, but they're not godly. That's the difference. The Q content and the Q movement is not a God-based movement. God did not put this into place so that people would gather together and politically recover the world. No, that's not the way God functions. And if you've ever read Revelation, you understand that the end will be filled with high levels of deception. There will be false prophets left and right. And pseudo-Christs, now that's the part people leave out, pseudo-Christ, meaning people who look like and act like Christ. They are Christ-like in that sense. Or people will worship them to that level. Those are part of the fakes we focus so much, particularly over the last 150 years or so in the church, we focused on the use of the word Antichrist, and we automatically look at this as some figure who's going to come out there and is going to be just the enemy of everything, not realizing that the pseudo-Christs are a part of that as well. And that is the figure that looks like Christ, talks like Christ, but is not Christ. 
And that's the one you really have to be concerned about. It's not the one that comes out and tells you that they're against morality. Those aren't the ones you need to fear. The ones you need to fear are the ones that come out and tell you that they are like-minded with you, join them, and they're not like-minded with you. And Q was helping produce this mindset with people that there was going to be some earthly salvation that was going to take place and that we were taking part in it, that we were a part of that system, that we were going to bring down the machine. And by that, it was going to be a biblical moment. No, none of that is accurate to the words of Christ. None of it is. So, and it was kind of a long-winded explanation, but that, that's part of where I was for those of you that did not follow me at that point or have not heard my story. And that's by far the short version of the story. So that I want to get that out there and make sure that everybody's clear on, uh, on where I stood with that. And you, you're not going to see any more Q posts from me, again, unless it directly lines up with something scriptural moving forward. It's like, okay, you wanted to see a sign from Revelation on this or that. Well, guess what? The Q movement is showing this. You know, That's the only way you're going to see it brought up. Or in the context right now with this podcast where I'm explaining where I was, how I left it, and why I left it. Now, Having said that, now I move on to the next stage. Now, where I am now and where I have been since I started First Century Press, and since I transferred everything from Patriots Fight over to First Century Press, you'll notice there's a difference here. There's no indication of fighting. There's no indication of anything. And this title is First Century. Now, I'm not being quaint and cute and all kind of, you know, hip uh, by saying that, uh, you know, well, he says First Century, he means 21st Century. No, I mean First Century, as in A.D., the beginning of that cycle. And uh, and I will always use, by the way, since I mentioned A.D., I will always use the terms B.C. and A.D. And they do refer to me. They mean to me. They will always mean to me before Christ. And Anno Domini is the real mean, the Latin of it, but it, it, I've, always <laughs> I've always interpreted it as before Christ and then after death, meaning after his death. And, uh, and so A.D. and B.C. are what the terms that I use. I am leery of the church using C.E. and B.C.E. And, uh, and I know it's just a, a semantics thing, and it, it doesn't make a huge difference. But the church adopting the C.E. term is very pagan because the C.E. term meant common era. And so... That was their way of getting away from referring to the existence of Christ. Okay, We do know that B.C. and A.D., that the timeline changed and reverses. It mirrors itself. You go negative in numbers before A.D., and you go positive in numbers since A.D. Okay, So if I say 2000 B.C., it's actually negative 2000 years from the 2021 that we've existed now. So negative B.C. or B.C. 2000 would actually be over 4,000 years ago, okay? But the pagan community changed the term from a biblical standard to a non-biblical standard, and they, they chose to start calling it the before the common era and then the common era. And in the secular community using that, I, I was I'd look back and go, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever, you just don't want to acknowledge Christ, and I get that. But then the church started using it. And I have 21st century 
theologians as well as you know mid to late 20th century theologians that using those terms and uh, and I want to immediately jump away from those those writers from those those figures and say no you're not really a theologian not really you're you're a uh, you're a college professor who dabbles in religion you are not Christian you're not a theologian you don't really study God you study gods your your paganism kind of a of a, a system but and I say that with all honesty when you pick up something that's supposed to be Christian literature and it uses the terms BCE or CE, drop it. Drop it like a hot potato and move on. Because if they're not recognizing the time period as a period before Christ arrived and a period after Christ left, then they're not looking at history from the perspective that you need them to be looking at it in order to give you truly discerned information about Scripture. Period. I mean, and, and, and you have to allow that to soak in. You have to accept that, and it has to make sense because, and that's not because I say it, but I mean, think about that logically. If they are choosing to use secular terms rather than the religious terms for the theology periods that they're speaking of, then they're looking at it from the perspective of the pagan, not from the perspective of the Christian. They're not being a theologian. Not really. So, and, and I know it's a kind of a side rant, but that's just one of the things that has, has irked me. But, but again, I, I say all that to say that I look at uh, the content of things, and when I see something that is written in the 21st century or the late, to, uh, even early, for that matter, early 20th century, I find myself steering further and further away from it because it really has very little to do with focusing in from the perspective of the Scripture. It has to do with looking at it from the world's viewpoint. And so I, I've gotten away from reading a lot of recent literature on theological matters. And I actually had the COVID event last year to thank for a lot of the reading that I've gotten to do. I had way too much time on my hands in 2020, and I was able to read probably a couple of dozen books over that time period, some thick ones, actually. And, uh, and I found that the older the books were, the more into the 1800s uh, or even further back. I mean, I, I read uh, early church writers from 3rd century, 4th century, I mean, you really can't get much closer than that uh, other than reading Scripture itself, and I did a, a number of that, a great amount of that as well. But I found that the further back I went in the writings, the more accurate the information became. And it makes sense because it's closer to the source of the events that occurred or, or that they're writing about. And and you have to do that. I mean, it's... you. If you want to read about something that occurred early in the church, you want to read from people who were either direct witnesses to it, which would be your scriptural references, or people who were the, just the next generation down the road. And that's going to be your early writers, your early church historians. And, of course, in doing all of that, that's also part of where I began to discover, for the first time, even though I had a four-year biblical degree on the bachelor level and a four-year theological degree on the master's level, <laughs> I still hadn't been taught these things. And 
I found that now, at this, as this, you know, as an old man, now, and I'm looking back on this, I'm going, wow, why was I not shown these things? And uh, now, if you want me to, to spend a long time ranting about that, you'll have to listen to my podcast about what the church didn't teach me. And and what I mean by that, I don't mean that to be ugly. What I mean, though, is that the church should have been teaching me certain principles, certain avenues of, of the doctrine that it hasn't been doing. And by the church, I mean not just a church you worship in, but also the church community, as in the seminarian community, the uh, the, the Christian school environment, uh, even the individual Bible studies, things of that nature. I mean, it was not being taught. They don't want you delving deeply into all that and looking at the realities of this stuff for some reason. And it's something that the 20th century really developed, but it began to develop in the late 1800s. The same time frame that Darwin shows up on the scene, the same time frame that you began to see even the Baptist Church beginning to shift over to this concept of the rapture and uh, millennialism began to be talked about and things of that nature. All of that began to surface in the late 1800s into the 20th century. Those are not topics that existed in the church on the whole. Okay, There were, there were periods of people that, that pondered about certain things, but on the whole, millennialism and rapture and things of that nature were, were concepts that were introduced in the 1800s. They do not come directly from Scripture, and they were not communicated in the church over the centuries leading up to that time period. They were man-created. And up until about a year, 18 months ago or so, I bought completely into those concepts. Because that's what I'd always been taught in the church as a child. It's what I'd been taught in, in both my bachelor's and master's level work. I'd heard it from the pulpit. I'd read it in the books. Everything that was being published in the 20th century and early 21st century backs it, at least what I'd been exposed to. And so everything led me to believe that that was the, that was the road that I needed to be going down. And I think that actually aided in my ability to get consumed by the Q movement. Because I had a mis construed image of what the end times were going to be, what they what they were leading up into. I had a misconstrued understanding of my role as a Christian during that time period. And it changed a lot of things for me. I I had, was living my life believing that for some reason that when the times got really bad, the church was just going to get raptured up and I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have to face it. It was it was like, okay, it's going to go away. It's no big deal. It won't affect me. It's going to affect all the lost people. And so it led me to believe that I needed to save, you know, or help save more people because that way they wouldn't be here either. And But it also led me to lead people to believe that if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's going to take you up away from here when it gets really bad because that's what I believed. And... <laughs> There is nothing in Scripture that says the church gets removed before the times get bad. It's not there. 
And I'm going to get all kinds of comments from people that are going to go, yes, it is. And they're going to try to prove things, but you're not going to really be able to prove it. It does not say that. And even though they talk about things, well, you know, the church isn't mentioned again after this particular passage in Revelation and da-da-da-da. No. Not mentioning the church doesn't mean that the church doesn't exist. It, it, it's, it's just, it's not there. You've been led to believe that it is through writings and videos and services and just word-of-mouth kind of things over your lifetime. You've been indoctrinated to believe those things because that's what you've always heard from your church figures. The 20th century curriculum, the pulpit comments, the videos, the movies, the everything else that's been released, the songs, everything that's been released is where you've gathered that concept. It is not because it is outlined clearly in Scripture. And I know that's a bubble that I'm busting, and there are people that will want to prove me wrong on that, and I understand that because up until, like I said, about 18 months ago, I completely agreed with you. Absolutely. And that's after having had eight years of formal religious studies in an educational environment, and then way too many, you know, three decades following that of study. And But I was always studying 20th century writers, 21st century writers. I was watching 20th and 21st century uh, pastors and theologians. I was listening to and reading the study notes from uh, even my own Bibles from Ryrie or Schofield or, you know, these different groups and things. I was listening to the John MacArthur stuff, and I, I was doing all this. I was listening to all this and reading all this content that were all ministers that were a part of the movement that shifted and created the concepts of rapture and millennialism. And when I say millennialism, so that you understand, the Bible does refer to a thousand years. There is a millennium, millennium spoken of in Revelation. It does do that. But if you really read it clearly, not commentaries on it, but read the Scripture itself, what it really tells you is that there will be a thousand-year reign in which Satan will be bound. And life will continue on here on earth with Christ in control, Satan bound. At the end of that thousand years, Satan will be released for a period. It doesn't tell you how long, but Satan will be released for a period in which he will be able to recruit from the four corners of the world those that are loyal to his concepts and he will gather them together as an army. They will face at what is known for us as Armageddon, at which they are defeated and then forever put into the pit. And then we have eternity with Christ. Okay? And the new heaven and new earth are created. That is the order those things happen in. Now, somewhere in there, there is one single scripture reference that has misled people and it, it leads them to believe that the church somehow gets pulled up and then we return with the Lord as part of this army and so forth. And then, then, and then it becomes this, this millennium of time. During that millennium time, Christ is in charge in the sense that Satan is not free to deceive. But... 
people will still not choose Christ during that thousand years. And there's still a need for a battle at the end. And there, and even before that happens, there's still a period in which Satan is released and he will deceive and recruit people from amongst those that have lived a thousand years without his impressions. <laughs> so, so there's still going to be another period in there where man will still continue to be deceived, will still gather and side with Satan, and will still attempt to fight the Lord. That's at the other end of all of this. And even if you believe in a pre-quote-unquote tribulation, pre-tribulation rapture, there's still that period that exists for people. And, uh, and, and so, again, I'm not trying to get into all that in detail, but those are all things that I had misunderstood because instead of me sitting there and reading verse by verse the Scripture without outside commentary and asking the questions, what does this mean, where is this coming from, I began to realize, wow, those things that I thought were there aren't there. They're in the footnotes some somewhere, and then if I were to look at where their footnotes came from, I realized the footnotes are coming from the influence of people who helped create the concept of, of the rapture in the first place in the late, in the mid to late 1800s and pushing forward. And they began to publish the Bible with their footnotes in those Bibles. And before long, the Christian community was doing what the Jewish community had been doing for centuries, which was reading the commentaries as Scripture rather than the Scripture as Scripture. And I've got a whole area I can go off on that when it comes to Judaism. But most of Judaism today, most of what they refer to as the Talmud, is actually a little bit of the actual, what we refer to as the Old Testament Scripture, and a whole, whole lot of libraries upon libraries of commentary on that Scripture. And they consider all of that part of their Holy Word. So the commentaries have become Holy Word alongside the Scripture itself. And where Judaism has done that, Christianity has done the same with its commentary. It has taken in and, and adopted the words of Schofield and, and some of these others, Ryrie, as Scripture. So your concepts of these things come from the notes that these individuals gave rather than from the Scripture itself. And it's, it's a harsh awakening. It is. It is a difficult awakening. But because I had grown up in that world, and my parents had grown up in that world too, so it's, it's multiple generations, um, it was really easy to fall prey to the concepts of something like a QAnon movement. See, all of this does carry back to the QAnon stuff again. I understand how I got pulled into it, willingly. But I also understand now why I am so opposed to so much of what is going on around me and why I don't comment much on it. And part of the reason why I don't comment much on it is because I know now that what we are experiencing right now, we already knew we were going to experience through Revelation. And we already knew that these things were coming up. We are not going to change the course of the tide. We're not. No movement out there is going to change, reverse, and bring peace to this world. It's not going to happen. 
the only thing that will bring peace in the end is Jesus Christ's return and his final battle against Satan, then we will have peace. Only then will we have peace. And nothing that we do is going to start that clock or change when it happens, uh, uh, anything of that nature. We are not in charge of that. And Christ himself said, no one will know the day and the hour. Okay? Now, we can read Revelation to understand that when that time occurs, this, these are the things to expect, but nothing in Revelation is going to tell us specifically this is when it's going to occur. Once it starts, we can begin to use that as a roadmap, but we do not know when it will start. Now, I do believe that we are living in that time that uh, before I leave this world, I will experience... It, I do believe that. But I, I am basing that off of what I'm seeing in the world around us. And I know I am far from being the first person to make a comment like that. There are centuries of people that have believed they are living in the end. That at any moment this is going to happen. And I, I do, I get that. And I've heard other generations of people make comments that I now myself make about how we are at that point where morality is at its lowest, that deception is at its highest, and so forth. Only thing I can say now is that the uh, the evil ones are not hiding their evilness anymore. Just a handful of years ago, they would have just they would have deceived you and they would have lied to you. They're not even bothering to lie anymore. They're not even bothering to pretend anymore. They're telling you, yes, we believe that we are going to disrupt the nature. Of uh, of humanity, we are we're telling you that we want to flip what is right and wrong from each other, what is black and white. We want to flip it around on you. We want to tell you that if you're male, you're actually female. If you're female, you're actually male, or that you're neither. That uh, your children are uh, being deceived by you, by your generation, and that we are going to somehow bring them to the light and the whole. We're going to illuminate them with the reality of the things that are going on and. And we're going to tell you that the the immorality that you call immorality is not immoral at all. It's actually rational. It's you're 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 woke. Okay, if you're truly immoral, you're woke. But we're not going to call it immorality. We're going to say that it's it's rightness that you are being rational, that you are using diversity appropriately, and that you are a part of the awokened uh, group of people. Okay. And that's what we're witnessing. It's no longer questionable to be unethical. It is now questionable to be ethical. If you're moral, if you show a sign of morality, if you try to claim any form of morality, you are somehow racist and wrong and outdated and antiquated and everything else that's out there. You are a part of the old machine that is has what is destroyed history. And that's where we are. We are officially there now. And 10 years ago, we were not having these conversations. Five years ago, we were barely starting to have some of these conversations. Hence the reason why I believe um, that we really are facing the end. I do believe that. But I'm basing it off of the conditions of the world and the way that it creates, the, the way that it treats reality and morality versus irrationality, and immorality. 
if I were to come out suddenly and be a transgender who believes that he is some kind of a fifth you know, species of something and uh, that I have an intense love for, um, for animals and uh, a, a sexual desire for all of that, I would be commended for that today. And there are churches in the United States that would in, not only endorse me, but they would welcome me in with, with open arms. And they would tell me, not only am I not immoral, not only am I not sinning, but I am coming to my real self and they support me in it. There are churches that are doing that today. Now, not to that extreme, but I'm just saying when the church itself is adopting the things that it's adopting on the whole when the church itself is completely and utterly infiltrated with these things, when you've got uh, gay and transgender and, and whatever people that are leading in the pulpits of these churches, and they're telling you not only is it okay for you to be this, that you can't help it, that God loves you, and that this is, this is where it is, instead of leading them out of it, they're helping endorse it. When the church does that, you know the church is gone, and the church is gone. Now, there are independent little remnants of churches out there that still preach God's Word, and I get that, and I know that. I'm not not shooting those down, but on the whole, you have to admit that all the major churches out there, regardless of their denomination, I'm not talking denomination at this point, but regardless of what they are, they are leading leading everything astray. In fact, the irony here is that the church uses the term sheep, and that Christ is our shepherd— the pastor is supposed to be the earthly shepherd for the flock. All of that terminology is now being treated, and Q movement helped create some of this too, is now being treated as a negative, as an insult. If you are a sheep, you're seen now as somebody who follows the system unquestioningly. But that was the reference that Christ used for the church and for the members, that he was the shepherd, we were the flock. But that term now is a negative term. See? And it's being used in a political stance, but because of it being used politically, it is affecting spiritually. The church can't refer to its flock anymore because then people say, well, if you're a sheep, you're just mindlessly following the leader. Not remembering that the sheep are innocent and pure, and need to be guided by the shepherd that protects them. I'm not referring to the government doing that to the people. I'm referring to Christ for the church. We do need to be his sheep. But this new woke environment tells you that we need to fight being sheep because they want to use it as a political statement. And the Q movement helped create that Stigma. See, the Q movement is telling you, no, you don't follow the leader. You defy the leader. And so when this young generation comes in and they hear that Christ refers to you as this flock and then we talks about the sheep being led and all of those types of things, then they go, well, yeah, but we don't want to be a sheep. And if you think that wasn't used intentionally so that people would not want to follow the word of Christ, you're a fool. Of course it was. And I was right there with them. I was being deceived too. So that is a part of where I am and why I I stand the way that I do on things. I can post something on the rare occasion that I do post something and I will get 
I will get more negative comments from the Christian community than I do from anything else. If I promote Christ and demo any human figure as the central focus point on which we should be centering our existence, if I steer you away from a person or a group of people as your leader and steer you to Christ and to Scripture, I get blasted from all sides of the religious community, of the church community. I I post a picture of Judge Janine being hugged by Jenner. And I get, well, you're taking too much into this photo. It's a hug. This isn't a program anchor standing next to the person they're interviewing. This is a program anchor being hugged in a photo by the person they're interviewing. That is not unbiased coverage of this individual. That is very biased and it is very supportive without having to come out. I've had people, I've had people in the church community say, well, but she hasn't directly come out and endorsed and until she does that, I still want to believe that she's on the right side of all this. And I'm like, but she's interviewing this mentally ill person. Referring to this mentally ill person by the mentally ill person's choice of gender and title and taking photos with this mentally ill person in a hug environment. But I post this image and I just say, you need to be aware, Christians, you need to be aware of, of whom you're, you're, you're giving your attention. You need to be aware of all of this and that endorsing a mentally ill person just because they hide under the label of Republican is not a solution. It's not a Christian ethical solution to a bad leader that's currently there. And I have people telling me that it, even a transgender Republican is better than what is currently in the state of California. And they think they're justifying it somehow. Choosing a mentally ill person over the current leadership is not changing the tide of anything. They are, those, those people, Gavin Newsom's will always exist in the current world, okay? Bar this side of the second coming, Gavin Newsom types are always going to occur. They're always going to be with us, Okay. Um, in, in, a, in a kind of a way, I think that this is some of what Christ meant when he said that you, the poor will always be with you. I think what that means also is not just the poor physically. Sometimes it's the poor emotionally, the unstable, okay, the weak will always be with you. You'll always have these people, and you will. You'll always have Gavin Newsom's types. They're not going to go away. And And the liberal base knows this. They know their people will always maintain. The mentally ill will always be with you. But to give in, see, the Democrats aren't what are changing. It's the Republicans that are changing. See, the Republicans are giving in, not just inches, but yards, miles of territory. They're no longer conservative on the whole. There are a few conservatives out there, but most of them, they're not conservative. They're really not. They hide under the label, but they are really mentally ill people or they are extremely liberal people. But they call themselves Republican. And 
again, this is a, a major reason why I am not a Republican anymore. I am an independent, period. And I am not going to automatically endorse somebody just because they were they, they hide under the label of Republican. I wouldn't endorse Mitt Romney. The guy's a whack job. He really is. Um, I wouldn't endorse him. At this point, I wouldn't endorse a Lindsey Graham. You know, those types as well. There are a few. I mean, I, I seem to like overall the policies of, of people like DeSantis. I like the direction that, uh, that Governor Abbott is going in now, but I have questioned some of the things that he did in the last year uh, regarding the way that the state was run. But I would rather see him stay in there than see us try and divide the Republican Party under multiple candidates and lose the position because not enough votes went to to maintain Abbott. Because I think that's really what happens. I think the Republicans, what happens is too many people run. It divides the votes out. And as a result, the uh, the really crazy one, the liberal one, ends up winning the position because their people stuck together with the one candidate. Having multiple people run against Governor Abbott uh, in this next election, I think is foolishness for the Republican Party. I think it, it will it will destroy the power that was had of the voter Getting keeping a Republican in office. I think it really will. And I'm fearful of that as far as the state is concerned because we, we've been under a Democratic governors before within my lifetime, and it did not go well. It just flat out didn't go well. And if you really want to know how it would be, take a good look at Austin, take a good look at San Antonio, take a really, really good look at Dallas, and you will see what condition a Democrat-run state would be like for Texas. It would be massively Dallasized, and it, it would not work. The state education would be a total wreck. Not that it's got doesn't have problems now, but it would be a total train wreck, and, and so forth. But this is what happens, and you've got California out there, and you've got people trying to run against. Newsom, and I get that. I'm, I completely understand that. But are you going to tell me that there's only one rational Republican out there viable to run against uh, a Democrat governor that even the Democrats don't care for? You're really going to tell me that the one candidate they can get in California is a trans... It, it, what's funny, it, it's actually just a transvestite. Jenner is just a transvestite, but I mean, which was considered sick a few years ago, but now apparently... He's the savior of California if he can run. You just have to make sure you call him a her. So the Republican Party that claims that it's conservative, that claims it has Christian values, is going to stand behind and, and support the mentally ill, deviant figure of Bruce Jenner in women's clothing, in, in his 10-year-old teenage daughter's clothing, apparently, according to himself, that he you know dresses up in his his daughter's clothing. Um, that this figure somehow represents the conservative, Christian-based ethics of the Republican Party. That that's the claim that you're hearing from these people, and by interviewing them, you're endorsing them. You really are in your own way. I'm, you cannot argue that otherwise. In the sense of like people like Judge Janine. You take a picture with them, that's one thing. You take a picture where you're hugging each other or one of them is hugging the other one, that's not just taking an unbiased photo. And so I posted that, just indicating, beware. Okay? Just be alert to this and stick to your morality over your fears. 
Okay, Don't vote for the mentally ill, deviant figure just because you think that will get the other person out of office. That's the same insanity that we were laughing at Democrats for four years ago when they were screaming, it doesn't matter who we vote in as long as we vote Trump out. That's the same mentality we were laughing at them for as conservatives. But we've not only endorsed it, I mean, we've, we've put it on like a badge of honor now as conservatives overall when it comes to these figures today. Are you really going to tell me, Republican Party, are you really going to tell me that the best that you have to offer California is a transvestite as your, as your party person? That's as moral as you can get. That's as rational and ethical as you can, you can find. Now, I know that Larry Elder was trying to run, but they were trying to keep him off the ticket, and I get all of that, okay? And I'm not even going to try to argue all of that. There's probably a fine reason why they're doing it. They, they, he would actually have a legitimate chance against Newsom. But Jenner doesn't. And Jenner, it, again, it's not even about Jenner having the, ba the ability to win. If Jenner could win, and if Jenner did win, you would have a transvestite in office representing the Republican Party. Is that, is that really where you want to be? Conservatives out there, is that really what you believe your party is about? Because that's a joke. At best, that's a joke. At worst, it's totally heretical. It is against everything that Christian values dictate. And I have supposed Christian brothers and sisters landblasting me, claiming I'm the one that's being delusional and that I'm the one being irrational with this and that it's okay because the end justifies the means. As long as we get somebody with a Republican in their title, that's all that matters. And no, it doesn't. <laughs> that is not, that's not the answer. At all. But I digress. But that's just one of the issues that's there. But again, it does not matter what I post. If I post about Judge Janine and that kind of thing, that's the response that I get. If I post something that is anti-Q, I get lambasted by Q people. If I post something that, that promotes some of the theories that were dropped by Q, then I get blasted from another group. And the irony here now is that YouTube itself has chosen to count the QAnon stuff as conspiracy theory and labels it as such. But then if I do anti-Q, I am now accused of being harassing and cyberbullying and my account is removed, which is what happened to me and hence the reason why I'm now on Rumble. <laughs> so, you know, it's, 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 so the YouTube community doesn't want Q posts out there, but if I fight against the Q post, I am harassing and bullying. Now, it, as it, the reality of that, really, is that they weren't hitting my former Q-related posts. That's not really what they wanted to hit. I got removed from YouTube not because of my Q drops or anti-Q drops or anything. Like that. I got hit there in those videos because they knew they could hit me in those areas. 
Because if they had tried to strike any of my Bible study, Bible-related videos, I could turn around and say that my religious liberty allows me to post that information. And it would be a different argument. They got me in the non-religious freedoms portion of my content so that they could get me removed, not because they were concerned about the Q content, pro or anti. They were concerned about my religious message. They didn't want my pro-Christ message out there anymore, but they couldn't attack that directly, so they attacked the other completely insignificant stuff. Same thing that happens with my Instagram stuff. They don't attack my Christianity posts. They attack and shut down things and freeze things and shadow ban stuff on old one, two, three-year-old posts of things totally unrelated. That's what they do, and they do that because they can hit me in those areas, and I don't have an actual real leg to stand on now, but I'd like to say that I had the Constitution to stand on, but we all know that you really don't. Not really. I mean, come on, really? Do you really believe that you can hold up the Constitution and they back off anymore? No, whatever. It's not there. You don't have that freedom anymore. You thought you did, but you really don't. See, because the deception is much bigger than individuals. It's bigger than whoever's in office. Uh, it's bigger than the figures that are controlling the runt money at this point. Um, the reality is, is the real the real culprit behind all of this isn't even human. The real culprit behind all of this is satanic. Everything that's taking place right now is due to evil, and it's due to sin. Bottom line, that's, that's the enemy that is really being fought here. The thing that you're seeing that's overtaking everything that you believe in, everything that you cherish, the, the part that is suffocating you from having the freedom to live your life in a peaceful manner, is sin. And I'm not saying your sin, although it can be your sin that's suffocating your happiness. I'm just saying that it's the sin within the world that is going on. It is the deception because we have to remember, and again, Scripture indicates this, we, we are living in the dominion of Satan right now. He's the one really in charge of all of this right now. He's the one given, given the reign over all of this at this point. And what you're witnessing, the, the names and the, the faces change over time, but the corruption stays the same. See? That right there is proof. It's not... If you get rid of person A, the problem ends. No, because then person B is there for evil to overtake and to use as their puppet. Right? And it goes on and on and on. There's always going to be, just like, like Christ said, there's always going to be the poor among you. There are always going to be those that are the puppets being used by the puppet master. And the puppet master, in this case, is Satan. That's going to continue to happen. The course of things is in the direction that it's in because of evil. The evil is in charge of the bigger picture right now on planet Earth. Now, it's not in charge of you as an individual or me as an individual. But as individuals, we don't really matter in that picture. We could influence a hand of, handful of other people. And there's power in numbers, and I get all of that, but 
Scripture has already defined for us that this is the direction things are going to go in. This is where we are. It's, it's not about to change because of some movement. <laughs> it's not. And I'm not being fatalistic. I'm being realistic. And I'm being eschatologically sound. We're already told all of this. And you would understand that if you are in God's Word itself. Not the footnotes. You're in God's Word. And you're prayerfully in God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit, please guide and direct me in what I'm reading and explain it to me as I'm going along. It may look like it makes sense on the surface, but I want to know deeper. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to you. Is it instantaneous? No, not in most cases. No, of course not. But that's how you need to be studying. Studying is not reading somebody else's words and commentary on the Bible. Studying the Bible is studying the Bible. Don't get out there and get caught up. And and there are some great people out there, but don't get caught up in these individual ministers and ask them to explain Scripture to you. Because I'm telling you right now, you watch just about any 21st century minister today, male, female, doesn't matter what they are, you're going to get misinformation. You're going to get misguidance because they want you to to purchase their series, or they want you to see things from their perspective. They want to tell you that health and wealth is around the corner, that you are your own best being, and uh, and they're going to tell it to you while they stand there in dreadlocks or $3,000 outfits um, or while they're on some massive cruise in some mansion somewhere doing something. These are charlatans. These are the same people that promote there's so many things that they promote but I mean it's these are these are not people that you should be relying on you should be in God's word itself reading it and I am concerned about which which translations you use but that's for a whole different time Uh, I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't matter which one it does matter because there are some that are really really bad really really bad translations that are miles away from what the meanings of the original Greek or Hebrew were. Uh, and they, they add and they expound on things or they remove entire areas of things. And, and and So there are some really bad ones out there. Again, go back and find an older edition of a Bible. The oldest that you can actually read, okay, that you can understand. Get away. The more modern it is, the more corrupted it is. It, it, especially in Scripture. The more newfangled the translation, the more recently it was put into place, the least accurate it has become. And they will tell you otherwise. They will tell you, well, we've got better access to documents now than we ever have before. And No, 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 no. That is not true. That is not true. They've had more time to alter Scripture but they do not have, we have not had some new discovery of original first printing scripture. We do not have that. Now, they may have unearthed something from the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, or whatever, but that is not new information. We do not have first century documents for Christianity. We don't even have, <laughs> they were still building some of Judaism during the first century. A.D. 
you realize that? There were, there were portions of Judaism that was still being written into their scripture during the days of Christ. They were still formulating Judaism as a religion while Christ was walking this earth. And you, all you have to do is literally do some, some history on Judaism, and you'll notice, you'll realize that they were still completing works during that time period. But, but we were told it was finished thousands of years before that. No, it wasn't. It was still being used. It was still being modified. It was still being redacted. It was still being commentated on, things of that nature. In fact, over the course of this next, you know, the second, third, fourth century AD, Judaism was developing more and more based off of the commentaries they were making. And it was around that same time frame that uh, Judaism was working with the Roman uh, world and you were developing Catholicism. <laughs> which is Romanized Judaism with New Testament scripture thrown in. Uh, it's deceptive. And then from there, you have the protest against the Roman Catholic Church, which produced it Protestantism and the denominations that occurred during the Protestant Reformation. And those are modifications or rejections of the Roman Catholic faith, not Christianity. Again, Christianity is just Romanized Judaism with New Testament scripture thrown in. Watch my, my two parts or listen to my two parts on Catholicism and you begin to look at the things that they use as their tenets and you'll begin to realize some of that and you'll see some of it. Uh, and if you're a Catholic, I am not pointing at you as an individual Catholic follower but you, the faith on which you follow is not really Christianity. It is Catholicism. It uses the same scripture as Judaism and Christianity, but it is not Christianity. It is Catholicism. It is its own thing. And if you're a Protestant, and I don't mean literally just the Protestants, I mean anybody who is basically Christian but not Catholic, <laughs> The odds are your denomination, if you go back and trace the history of it, it is, unless it predated the Protestant Reformation, the odds are all it was was a rejection of Catholicism. It was not built off of Christianity. And there's many of that. And uh, the Baptist faith has changed over time. Um, it, it actually was on the forefront of some of the things that I now see as not being accurate. Um, and I, I, I love my, my Baptist brothers and sisters. I do. Um, you know, and I did the church history. I did the Baptist history. I've read the big blue book. I've, I've been there and, you know, in the Baptist faith and message and I've been through all of that. I, I've been there, folks. I was baptized in the, in the, in the water of, uh, of the Baptist church. And, uh, so I, I do want know all of that, but some of the strangest movements that have happened over the last couple of centuries have come about first or, or close to first within the Baptist faith. And uh, I, it, it's just crazy. And it's like once you got the Baptist buy-in to it, it was like the other denominations began to fall into place with it. So if you could get the Baptist to believe it, uh, eventually uh, everybody else began to believe it. And you have that with the whole pre-millennial kind of thing. You have that with rapture. You have that with a number of things that uh, that are not really in Scripture. But, uh, boy, we, uh, uh, we're to blame for it, really, for a lot of that. But... It is, see, these are all the things that people get offended by, by me saying them. 
and I understand that. I get that. I understand that. And they, they want to question it. They want to fight it. They want to argue against it. And they want to give me the same arguments for their stance that I took for most of my life in defending the stance that they still have that I no longer take. And so I understand that. But you're not going to shift me back to that stance at this point. It's like you cannot put the toothpaste back in the tube. I have seen, I have studied now the Scripture directly. With years of, of experience and all these other things, I've gone back into the Greek, I've gone back into the Hebrew, I've looked at this content, and I have to realize now <laughs> that I was being misled, and I misled myself. I allowed myself to believe certain things. I chose not to research things. I took for, on face value things that were told to me by other people, or by the notes, or by the textbooks, or by the uh, the monthly supplements in the Sunday school classrooms and things of that nature. I let other men guide and direct, and women guide and direct me in the paths of my faith, rather than going to God's Word itself and seeking the guidance from the Holy Spirit on understanding that Word. And all I ask people to do is that same thing. I'm not asking you to do something extensive. It's not painful. You open up a Bible and you start reading only the words that are the Scripture and ignore the footnotes. And when you get to a passage that you're having trouble with, you stop and in prayer you go to the Lord and ask for guidance and discernment. And you wait for your answer. You don't go to somebody else's commentary. You don't go to the footnotes. You don't go to some video seminar somewhere. You don't seek out stuff from your monthly LifeWay supplement or whatever it is that you're using. You wait on God to reveal to you that information. And if you don't get an answer on that, you move on to another area until God does give you that answer. And it may not be the answer you want. It may be exactly what you thought it was. But there will be times when it will be like, whoa, wow, I thought this said this, or I thought this said that, and it didn't. So, be aware of that. And that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that I've been trying to pass on to people through my individual posts on social media, things of that nature, through a few of my podcasts, through my videos, things of that nature. And I I get the biggest kickback from, from people within the Christian community who tell me I am the one that doesn't understand that I'm lost, that I'm misguiding people, and, uh, and that I'm the problem. Because I've gone back grassroots style to my Christian faith. I'm the one that's, that's got the problem. But it's because of, of much of that that I spend less and less time going out there and actually promoting information and telling people things because I've gone from every day, sometimes multiple times a day, feeding people information off of research that I've done or colleagues of mine have done on topics that are very much earthly, worldly, and temporal. I've gone from doing that to trying covering Scripture-based content, seeking the guidance and discernment from Christ but through the Holy Spirit on relevant issues that are eternal and on rare occasions, I will share some of that information with people online, and I get blasted for it. And so it's like, you know what, that's a battle that every individual has to fight anyway. You individually have to come to these conclusions 
you cannot listen to me any more than you you shouldn't be using me as your reference point for the answers in scripture any more than you should be using the commentaries or the end notes or anything of that nature so i'm not going to be your i'm not going to tell you what the bible says or how it says it or what it means by what it says and that's not my place to do that yes i'm a licensed minister but i'm that's not what i'm doing i'm not in that role i'm not your pastor now there will be times that i will I will go in and I will detail out what the Lord has shown me in Scripture, but I'm not going to tell you this is the definitive answer on things. That is not my role. And I'm certainly not going to tell you this is how you should live your life. Now, I will point out things that you shouldn't do, but I'm not going to get definitive on what you should do. No one should do that except the Lord. But that's where we are. And uh, instead of fighting that fight on a daily basis, especially, uh, and, and literally finding myself wanting to just leave people high and dry, and like, you know what, if you don't want to listen, if you don't want to hear it, if you don't want to do the research yourself, fine. So why, why waste my time throwing that information out there? And I've spoken much longer than I intended to, to speak. I thought, you know, I'll, I'll give it maybe half an hour, and I'll, I'll cover what I need to cover, and here I am, you know, nearly an hour and a half, and, uh, and, and here I am. But I covered multiple areas, ranted a little bit, and if you've ever listened to me before, you know that that's exactly what I do. But this is where we are. I do love the people whom I try to communicate with, and I do understand the frustration that you have when you hear things that I say that counter what you've always believed or what you've seen, and you go, why in the world is he saying it this way? Because... That's not what I've always heard, or why did he change, or whatever. I changed because I went back as early as I possibly could to the content, and I'm doing the same research that I used to do. I'm only doing it now through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, rather than through rabbit holes and group chats. That's what's changed. And I'm doing it for me rather than trying to convince you. Because it's really not my role to convince you. That, that's one of the reasons why the Lord referred to things like, you know, you scatter the seed out and some of it lands on ground that actually grows things. Some of it lands on stone and it doesn't and so forth. It's All I can do is scatter the information out there. I can't tell you, I can't produce in you the, the product on the, on the other end. It's not my role to do that. It's not any minister's role to do that. And uh, But it's certainly not a minister's role to misguide you and to direct you and to put you in the nettles, to put you in the tares, to put you in the stones, and then try to convince you that that's where you're supposed to be. Or that if you contribute enough to their ministry, those stones will turn to gold and you will profit from it. That's what the 21st century church is teaching its people. Put their faith in them And you will profit physically here in this world. No. That is not accurate. That is not real. Uh, And no, you are not your own Savior. And no, you are not worthy of these things. And no, you are not uh, the best thing that is out there, out there. Now, you, you are sinful. You are lost. You are gutter trash. Except for the blood of Christ covering you. Period. 
And any minister that's trying to lead you down a path other than that is not using God's Word and has self-motivation in mind. And if I offend you in the things that I say, good. Maybe you need to be offended. I needed to be offended a year ago, 18 months ago. I needed to be offended. I needed to have people get into my face and say, you know what, Sean, you're being a fool. You're misguided. And you're, you, did you go to the Lord on this? Or did you just kind of try to, to outsmart everybody on it? And I was guilty of the latter. I was trying to outsmart everybody, including God, and especially including myself. And I was trying to say, I know better. Well, my knowing better sent me down a road for 30-something, 40-something years of misguidance in my understanding of God's Word. And I don't want to see other people do that. And if you have to be offended, so be it. I would rather see you offended and have you have to defend yourself and go out there and find out what is really true. And if it turns out your truth that you find is more accurate than mine, that's fantastic. And if it turns out that what you find is that what I say was accurate, fantastic. But don't be offended by me, but also don't praise me for how it turns out. It's up to you and your relationship with the Lord. Plain and simple. Okay, till next time, God bless.